full of loneliness and misery and suffering and unhappiness, and it's all over much too quickly. The question is, have I learned anything about life? Hello, everybody. My name is Zane Zinokami Blaylock, and I am happy, glad, and ecstatic to welcome back a long-lost co-host. I'm talking about the man who birthed Akatosh, who then birthed uh, 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 Alduin, who... I don't know if he birthed the others, because the other dragons are considered his brothers, but, like, that... that you don't really go into full details about the dragon lore in, in Skyrim, but I digress. The man who commanded the entire 4K Warhammer Brigade and evidently also mutated them to be the chunky boys rather than the slender, tall killing machines that uh, were the original design for them. I'm talking about Andrew Pyrana Baldwin. Andy, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. And let me tell you, when I birthed Anduin, it hurt. <laughs> Would not recommend it. Should have had that C-section. <laughs> oh, man, dude. I, I, I've honestly, honestly missed you. Like, there's been so many events going on in both technology, uh, world, uh, gaming, uh, politics. Uh, two of those we really only care about. <laughs> uh, well, at least for the show. Um, so, like, just overall, man, like, um, uh, uh, you know, how have you been since you, you, you've been out? Been doing well. Uh, just before my state closed down, in fact, literally the day before, uh, my old PC died. Ooh. So I was without PC for about a month and also quarantined at the same time. So that was an adventure. Um, but now I have a new PC and its name is Julius, which only a few people will understand that reference it's a reference to my local D group oh i just automatically assume julius caesar because i thought she was like a rome fanatic or don't well, not say fanatic but a, a rome a roman fan it wouldn't be an unreasonable assumption um that part of the the D world uh is inspired by rome so ah it's kind of neat we're getting yeah, a insight. lot of Marvel, a lot of uh, a lot of culture. Um, Julius is kind of a dick. So, <laughs> honestly, have you thought about like recording your D and D sessions? Um, my D and D sessions already get recorded, oh. and then the person who records them um, writes journal entries, blog posts, just entries in general. Um, on a site called World Anvil. I'm actually uh, gonna check that out. She writes the story of my campaign through her character's perspective. That's cool as hell. I agree. Um it is so cool in fact that the world has been liked, quote quote, um, by the owner of the website. So felt pretty good about that. Absolutely, dude. Like, um, oh man, like I'm, 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 I don't, I don't know the owner of the website. I don't, I don't know the website personally, but like, I'm just thinking, like, uh, dude, like if, uh, if, if, if they have a big enough platform, like they, because I, when I think D and D, I think about recording, 
consider me like a, a noob or a, a charlatan, as if you will. Uh, but I think about um, uh, Dan Harmon's um, was it Let's Quest or Table Quest or beats me. I mean, there are a million D and D like podcasts and video casts and well, you you know who Dan like Harmon is, right? Cast, I believe it's called a broadcast. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, part of the reason why. I never really got too far into that, though, is because that sort of thing really, I don't want to say damages, but it changes the dynamic around the table mm. um, rather considerably, especially because I really personally enjoy running large games, mm-hmm. you know, like six to eight players. And when you have six to eight players, it's really hard to maintain everybody's attention at the same time, especially because I like to run games that are at least slightly personal to the characters. You know, you're not just thrown into a scenario, you're thrown into a scenario for a specific reason, and sometimes that reason will show up. Um, so since it, you don't maintain everybody's attention all the time, it results in a fair amount of uh, crosstalk. Mm-hmm. And when you have a lot of crosstalk, that doesn't translate very well to a podcast or a broadcast because it's really hard to pick up all the like the nuances and stuff like that like little changes and like sometimes I'll since I do personal stuff sometimes like I'll pull a player out of the room and like talk to them and give them information or tell them something that's specifically pertinent to them mm-hmm. uh, and I know specifically one of the last games that I ran before um, the quarantine hit, um, I left the room to talk to somebody, and while I was out of the room, there was apparently an amazing roleplay moment where one of the players managed to talk another player out of doing out of something very um, martyrous. You know, one of the characters was like, "I will take on this burden," and another character managed to talk him out of it. He was like, "Don't do it. We're in this together. <laughs> Go team venture." And I was not in the room for that exchange, and. When I came back in, everybody was like, oh, man, like, this is a really cool thing that happened. And I was like, I have no idea what happened. Um, but, you know, then, you know, like if I were to do a, a podcast or a broadcast, I'm either going to present it from my perspective and miss those sorts of points in time. Or I'm going to film it from the table's perspective and then you don't get all of like my secret insights and stuff like that. I don't know. It just it feels like a fickle beast and one that. I I don't know. I just like playing D and D for its own sake, you know. Yeah. So I get you. I've never been too too interested in doing something like that. I will tell you, if we lived in the same state and I had a studio, I would actually offer the opportunity or or try to we'll, we'll, we'll try to make this work. But like, imagine so you got your DM, your players, the game, but then you also have I, I consider it like the producer. And so you would have multiple cameras, multiple microphones, lavaliers. So you would be able to record all the various inputs to in the uploaded production of it. You will be able to have the producer be able to uh, mute the cross chatter unless it was something juicy. Then it can like cut into a, a quick five second segment going. This is what you probably missed in the the over the overall talking bit. And then like if you pull someone off to the side, you can have the off camera and then just the two mics focusing on this, you know, do that whole section. And it, basically it, w- it would be a full on production. But that that is if we only had, you know, the, the money and the the resources and lived in the same area and weren't in quarantine. <laughs> All right. So what, like three months? Hopefully. 
<laughs> if you can get like a donation, a sizable donation. But I, I digress. Um, uh, and you know, here at, at, at After Dark, we are known. We pride ourselves on tangents. Um, but to the to the, the the beginning of our main topics, or I guess minor topics. Uh, have, have you witnessed the Unreal Engine Five tech demo? Uh, yes, yes, I have. As of two days ago, yeah, two days ago. What are your thoughts? So pretty fresh in my mind. Um, it was cool. Uh, I like it. Guy really likes to say triangles. I mean, <laughs> um, if you haven't seen the Unreal tech demo, uh, specifically Unreal Engine Five, uh, you should. Oh, you should go see that. Just pause this, go watch it, come back, unless you can't. It is a podcast. It shouldn't require your eyes. I just required you to use your eyes. I violated the social contract. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm overstepping my bounds here. Um, but if, if and when you're able to do so, you should see the tech demo. Because let me tell you, there was some some serious dissonance going on, like, right off the cuff. Got, like, super hyper-realistic hyper graphics. Girls got eyes like three times the size of a regular person. <laughs> like, are we going for a stylized version or like are we attempt like I don't I don't know. I that was like the my first impression. Like I saw it, I saw her eyes and I saw how hyper realistic everything around her was, and I was just like Naughty? Am I supposed to believe that this person is a real person? <laughs> Cause if the because if I am, then I'm concerned for them on a completely different level. Then my concern, if I assume that they're just like fictional character, like what 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 sort of world am I supposed to? My suspension of disbelief was unsure where I was supposed to start suspending and where I was supposed to start believing. It was not clear. <laughs> I absolutely agree, man. Like, oh the, and and and, and this is also the 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 the, the danger. I want to say danger. I guess the the big thing to remind people that okay, so. This is what the engine can supposedly do. Um, but one, it is a tech demo, which means, you know, it was catered to feature these certain points in the way that they wanted to portray them. So just keep that in mind. But like, honestly, if this is where the future is going, visually uh, uh, appealing in general, like I I'm down because it, it shows with that drastic dissonance of uncanny valley versus canny valley, you can have it, almost in any direction, right? You can do a full-on hyper-realistic game like Naughty Dog's uh, Uncharted with this engine and have it like really, really feel like you're watching something by a uh, uh, insert famous director name here. Or you could go the to total different direction and have like the the, the next game of uh, Dragon Ball's uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot story, Kakarot Two, and go like super stylized with anime and and maybe even some type of um uh what did they call it uh cell shading it it, it it seems like this thing can be appeased to all in my opinion with like this cross mix of styles and and oh my god I'm like i'm watching it now and i'm, I'm still getting goosebumps Ooh, all oh, the bugs terracotta soldiers okay um, but like, do you... oh yeah, the soldiers were pretty sick. Yes, man, I'm, 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 I dig it. So like, the I... the thing that I just have with any like next gen graphics sort of thing, especially at this point mm -hmm. in like the progression of graphical technology, is just no matter how cool this next step is, and you know that cave was 
it was ridiculous. It looked it it looked like it could have been like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um and that's no exaggeration. Um but it feels it feels like we like just had that, right? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like have you ever seen a Forza game? Yes. Have you ever played a Forza game? Yes. With like the super, super realistic cars. Yep. With weather effects and raindrops. Yeah, and the weather effects and all that other stuff. And that's that's technology that's already out. Mm-hmm. So and I'm I mean, I kind of feel like I'm beating a dead horse, which is why I'm so like hesitant <laughs> to just be able to just say this, but it's just like what's the point? <laughs> Who cares? Like they're like, look at our billions and trillions of triangles. We have so many triangles. God, we'd make little Caesar so jealous. Just like, ah, because it's pizza joint. Man. <laughs> triangles. I, I like oh, I get- <laughs> great. Um, I'm glad that's come full circle. Oh my God. Andy, you're Quarantine on fire with these puns. Me, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like, I, I've never been a big like graphics person. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be straight. I just don't care. As cool as that trailer was, and it was super cool, I just don't care. Uh, because the only... No matter how like cool and precise and you make your graphics and your sound effects and stuff like that, only like the AAA studios are going to be able to take advantage of it. Exactly. And they're not even necessarily going to take full advantage of it because it... like How much time went into that trailer? I have to wonder. Yeah. They're yeah. like, look at all these triangles. I'm like, did you make all of the triangles? Where did the triangles come from? The triangles, <laughs> what do they mean? Triangle gate. You know, because if, if you can just like pull that or the engine can somehow like map what... I can't even imagine how you could possibly do this. But if the engine could map like intent, you know, like this is what I want my cave structure to look like. And then it, you know puts all these triangles out so that you can dynamically light everything. Um, and they were like, man, look at all this. I'm tangenting even my tangent. But they were like, look at all this dynamic lighting. I'm like, but our dynamic lighting is also already good. Yes, RTX, like Minecraft. And, and like that... Uh, and I'm going to be honest, Minecraft was not my first thought on that particular line of uh, thinking there, but sure, Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft got shadows. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just that demo was freaking amazing. But how much of that am I gonna, you know, see? Actually, how much of that is am gonna, I gonna go into this project? Worth the time to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent of the way. And so, part of me, the the consumer side of me, is like. Yeah, no, like, I, I don't expect to see this as common in every single game, like three years coming out in four. Maybe uh, every one project out of every AAA developer may have like this 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 kind of look or, or this potential, right? But even then, like, Modern Warfare is not my cup of tea because it's mainly just, you know, competitive, you know, uh, uh, battle royales and, and whatnot. So I'm, I'm not going to play that. Um, but if we can get like maybe the next Uncharted, maybe the next God of War, yes, I would love to see that used in that particular set of projects. Everything else, look, I guarantee you, I'll also be playing Skyrim five years from now. 
and it, it, it will not be using Unreal Engine 5. When Skyrim 6 comes out, uh, I, well, we know when it won't be using Skyrim. Skyrim 6 comes out. Oh, my God. I just, I just not did. Elder Scrolls 6. Oh. Not Elder Scrolls. That franchise is dead and gone. Oh, we are now in the Skyrim exclusive universe. I feel so dirty. Is yours or nobody? Oh. <laughs> you got to admit, though, Skyrim itself did so much for the Elder Scroll label. Like, oh, I feel dude. I, I just committed a cardinal sin. Oh, my goodness. Oh. But yes, Elder Scrolls 6, excuse me. It's not going to use Unreal Engine 5. It's, it's, it's not. It's that quarantine man is hitting real hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But it's, you know, so I'm not going to see it in, in a lot of those projects. But I do still value what this, and, 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 and not, not to say that, that that's not the message you were saying, but I value that it's still pushing the technology forward. And so we even have, like, Tim Sweeney, you know, one of the guys over at, uh, is it Epic or, yeah, Epic Games, uh, was stating that the the SD uh, technology coming from the PS5 to be able to, to utilize uh, what the Unreal Engine 5 is going to be bringing is going to currently be better than whatever PC SSD out there currently. So you're, you're seeing the engine push technology forward, not just in the gaming industry, not just the software side, but also with hardware. And that's cool because we're all going to benefit from that at some point. But it's just not going to be like the 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 biggest on the nose thing, in my opinion, at least. I'm just looking. I I'm mostly looking forward to how this pushes. You, you mentioned pushing the technology forward. I want to see the technology push forward in some way that's not visual. Yes, absolutely. Like, like oh, actually, did you hear about the controversy that the tech demo gave off? I almost certainly did not. So people were exclaiming that the the bit where she's crawling through the crevice, you know, like you know, she turns sideways and yep, like inches. Yep. They're saying, oh, you know, that was obviously a um a a, a loading screen because you know, the 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 presentation stated how they're getting rid of loading screens altogether, and they were just like, yeah, oh, not gonna lie, that's exactly what I thought when I saw it too. Because I'm pretty sure, isn't that a feature in like God of War? Yeah, doesn't the newest God of War you like, to move between the yeah okay. It's, it's dynamic ways to do loading screens without it being a quote-unquote loading screen. And mind you, I don't mind that. And and two, but what you know, what, what really uh, garnered the, the 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 buzz is when uh, somebody from Unreal or, or some marketing person who's close to the project came back and stated, "No, it was not a loading screen. What the the point of that segment was was for the camera to really zoom in on the rocks and on the character to show you the detail of how everything kind of loads in really." And I'm like, "Okay, that might be true, but at the same time, I'm I'm sure it's still used to to load stuff in the background." And and that's okay it's if it good. is, you know. Yeah, it's whatever. People, uh, I don't know, man. Like people want to get torches and pick for, pitchforks for for no reason. And it, uh, eh. mm. Mm. I mean, they're they you know they perceive shenanigans, so they're gonna call out the perceived shenanigans, even if there are no shenanigans. And to be honest, if you wanted to, like, have a zoom in moment, and you know, for whatever reason doing it like that is kind of a suspect way to do it because God of War does that for its loading screens. So maybe you could have not done that. (laughs) You you could have had her take out a magnifying glass. Gee, I wonder if us showing off this no loading screen technology, if this particular event could be perceived as obfuscating a loading screen. And if so, like does, does nobody 
on the Unreal 5 team? Did, did none of them play God of War? Or do they not know about that feature? I mean, I don't play God of War. I know about that feature. You haven't played it? No. You have PS4? Yes. Dude, I might send you like five bucks just to buy it and play it. It's a really great game. It's a five dollar game? Uh I think you can you can oh oh well uh, yeah, we don't have uh we can't yeah, we can't go to stores anymore. <laughs> uh, mm, yeah. Collar tug. Maybe when things get back to a more normal well, uh, actually I don't know if places like Game GameSpot are gonna be surviving after this anyway. No, let me not do that to the game GameStop or yeah GameStop. But no, it, it, it is it is a great game. Everybody uh, else, they can they can just go straight downhill. But GameStop, you get respect. Nah, I mean, like yeah, uh, nah, I'm just kidding. GameStop, you don't get any. Yeah, no, no, because like they they've done some really some really be- and and not not just the 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 underselling of, or underbuying of people's products but like the, the corporate themselves like the way that i don't know i hope reggie Fijime can can oh actually i, I should have had that on the mind top did you hear about reggie from uh i did not hear about reggie so reggie Fijime, you know old u.s director or or head head of u.s nintendo who recently retired from nintendo uh became a owner or a part owner of uh uh gamestop interesting before COVID 19 hit and i at first, I was kind of like, "Oh, you know, he he can probably turn it around," but like now with the whole economic shift, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Mm. I don't think so. But I I, I digress. Um, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> again, we're known for our tangents. Our tangents are 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 strong, are valuable, are lovely. They're beautiful. Uh, do you think? The increase in technology, and, and especially within the, the visual um, department, is going to impact the gaming industry in a way of like maybe another discussion of uh, increasing game prices. Um, no, but it will anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I so I don't think that um. I don't think that gaming tech levels have any bearing on game prices whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they do, it's an incredibly minute on an economic level that I uh, can't fathom because I just don't know enough about that sort of thing. Um, but I don't doubt for an instant that game prices will increase anyways. Um, and, but... Big but. Uh, I don't think it'll... I don't think it'll like matter to anybody. Um, and the reason I say that is because game games were fifty dollars, like AAA games, even before they were called AAA games. Mm-hmm. Games were fifty dollars, right? Mm-hmm. You went to the game store, fifty dollars for a game, except for on like handhelds, then they were like you know thirty bucks or whatever. And I remember. Vaguely, and I'm going to paraphrase because I didn't memorize it, obviously. But I remember this actually coming up in an issue of Nintendo Power, um, where game prices going up to sixty dollars was mentioned. And obviously, um, nobody wants to pay sixty dollars for a game when they can pay fifty dollars for a game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because that $10 can get you like a cheeseburger. I'd rather have my <laughs> game and a cheeseburger than my game without a cheeseburger. Um, unless it's like Dance Dance Revolution. Um, but that notwithstanding, at the same time that that shift was happening where $50 games were becoming $60 games, something else happened. And I don't know if it happened at the same time. I don't know if it happened shortly before, shortly after. But around that era when games were becoming more expensive mm-hmm. we also had the rise of the indie game like we had like never seen before right like in like indie games becoming even just like a term that anybody knew you know yes i think before we had indie games it was just shovelware you know like <laughs> if, you, if you weren't paying 50 dollars for your game then it probably really wasn't very good you know it was some sort of like knockoff brand cash grab piece of crap nobody cared um, but with indie games becoming prominent and the gaming market opening up in a way that supported indie gaming, um, because indie games were like predominantly like a PC thing, but you can get indie games on major gaming platforms now. Um, I, I can't really speak for, I guess like can kind of speak for like xbox and playstation but i know specifically like nintendo yes supports a fair amount of indie gaming availability on the switch um but even before the switch um i digress the the prominent or not the prominence but the availability the the opening up of the options of indie gaming um I think dampened the blow of the $60 price shift because nowadays all the AAA games are $60 and I couldn't even tell you when that change happened because nobody cared. Yeah. Nobody cared. It didn't matter because um, if you wanted those AAA games, you were still going to pay the $60, but more to the point, if you didn't, or if your wallet didn't support it, there are a lot of good games that are less than $60 all of a sudden rather than $50 being like, the main pricing point. There are games all over the pricing spectrum. You know, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars. Free. Free. Yeah. So you know, like so springboarding off of that idea, I think that if games go up to seventy dollars, and I'm sure that they will eventually, um I don't think anybody's going to notice. Because I think indie games are just going to shift into a wider spectrum of price points. You know, and they're already doing that. You can buy early access. And I'm going to go back. I'm about to backstep to one of the one of the previous podcasts. You can buy early access. So not even a full complete game. You can buy early access to Temtem for $35. Yeah. Which what? I, I, that's I, very expensive for an early access. <laughs> also, I, I will say uh, uh, for listeners out there, do stay tuned. Um, I am going to pick up Tim Tim. I got in contact with an old friend who is really Tim Tim heavy, and so I want to see what old it's about. Friend, friend, huh? An old friend friend. Uh, yes, but I don't. I don't think you know this person. <laughs> I, it's more puns. Oh God! Like uh, Tim Tim with a friend friend. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. It was a pun. 
I'm gonna shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that ginger ale is hidden heart. No, it's actually quarantine is hidden heart. But um, quarantine ginger ale is the worst. <laughs> so I, I stay tuned for like some 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 introspective looks onto Tim Tim from my point of view. Uh, but not to cut you off, but yes, uh, demos and early access, Tim Tim, $35. Crazy. So basically, long story short, will this technology push games up to $70? No, but it it might get pushed up to $70 anyways. It's nothing to do with the technology or very little. So, uh, And whenever that change hits, the indie game any game space is just going to be right there to fill in that vacuum. Cause right now there's like a, it's like a border, like a 10 to $15 border between AAA games and indie titles. Mm-hmm. Like you don't usually see indie games going up to the $60 price point until like no man's sky. Right. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Yes. Um, until it wasn't, but, but I digress. <laughs> um, so I think that if games go up to, to 70 bucks whenever that occurs indie games are just going to move into the 50 dollar price price range i can see that and i i would like to uh, expand on the reasoning of the question of like do you think this technology will expand or increase the pricing and it's, it's, it's not because of the technology's inherent value but i worry for because you know discussion on crunch and um uh employee uh, lifestyle or uh, basically just treating your employees nice with a livable wage for them to feed their families uh it's been a big topic within the industry of of, of game makers uh, uh, uh studios uh, producers uh etc and so when you think about the increase of technology for visual infidelity or, or even optimizing load times and 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 and, and the coding structure of certain engines you well at least i i think about Dev time, and I think okay. Well, if if graphics can go even further, some AAA studio is going to go. Let let's do it. Let's go even further, and it's going to make a longer or harder, even if you know, uh, very gradually or or, or small, uh, increase of, of dev time, and more more people are going to be brought into studios to probably fill in deadlines or. Uh, people have to take longer training sessions. You're gonna get. You're gonna need people who can make use of hardware and write code that fully takes advantage of said engines. And so I think if I'm a big time studio that only cares about money and 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 microtransactions, I'm going to potentially push to increase the price of games to offset the cost of the next steps of research and development for the new engine, as well as the time needed to uh, dive into these new visual graphics, as well as the new optimization of load times and uh, SSD technology for these consoles. So that's where my mind space was. That's, that's good mind space. Yeah. Not to say that we have a game studio um, at ELZ, which, I mean, we, we might in a few years. You never know. Right now, we definitely don't. <laughs> don't look it up. <laughs> Actually, a few years ago, we were trying to output two games. It it, it, it crashed horribly. It was using an RPG maker. And, um, yeah, just ugh, that was a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Anyway, uh, also as a, a double, a double tandem, uh, 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 or a double, not a double entendre. It's not, it's not the entendre. 
you brought up the whole concept of indie games and so i think the people over or, or the team behind unreal engine unreal 5 you know because they, they announced that they're going to waive a million dollars or for, for the first million of income of, of uh, developers before having to pay for the licensing of using the unreal 5 engine for the project and i thought holy crap that's actually really cool you know, it could be it could be more it could be better terms sure but point still stands they took a leap forward for developers across different sizes big small and i've heard ign and gamespot and funhouse uh, rooster teeth began to talk about this in gaming journalism the emergence of the double a area or you know uh, environment and so i i don't i'm not in the game journalist industry i can't speak upon that particular uh, topic specifically but I, I'm, I'm assuming the different range of uh developing sizes or development studio sizes um but basically the, the one million dollar waving thing is going to help everybody who's going to use unreal engine 5 is is basically what, what i'm getting at to paraphrase it to shorten it to shut myself up yes <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I um actually hadn't had heard that term, the double A game. That's actually that's a good term though. I mm. like that term. And I I, um, I think it fit in with the notion how you said thirty five dollars for like indie games before that buffer of the the triple A because you still have indie games that are like five dollars, two dollars free, but you do have those indie games that have an extra oomph of or, or, or of polish. Yeah, I think it, I think it'd be really cool if we saw like double A games. I can't even really imagine what that space would look like right now. Honestly, No Man's Sky would fit into that, in my opinion. But again, not here nor there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's probably true, but that's not what they set out to like achieve. Do. Or maybe they did. I don't know. I can't speak. <laughs> um. But that'd be that'd be that's actually probably true. Get like indie developers and then give them like the time and resources necessary to really capitalize on like the Unreal Five engine. I don't know. That sounds really cool. So actually, let me also ask you: Do you do you think other uh, uh, companies behind game engines uh, might follow suit in this and kind of start a a, a little movement that might explode the indie developer crowd while we were getting prepped into this whole new generation of, of next console or next generation consoles? Um, that's a good question. Uh, it's, it's as much as I'd like to think that that'd be really cool. It would only work if other engines provided something that Unreal 5 didn't or couldn't. Because having your first million dollars marked off on profit, that's like a lot of money. I don't know if you're aware of that. That's like a lot of money. <laughs> um, and I don't know... Yeah, just like what could another engine possibly like offer? And I'm, I'm sure that it, there's something, you know... But not having any royalties on first million bucks, 
for for most indie games, that's going to be your whole budget. Like that's going to be all the money you're going to make. <laughs> um, unless it's something really like exceptional and not necessarily like good exceptional, just something very different, something highly Shovel Knight. Uh, Shovel Knight or No Man's Sky. Um, the sort of indie game that hits a kind of mainstream wavelength that most, I would say, don't and don't even like approach. Yeah. yeah. But does Shovel Knight need Unreal 5? No, it doesn't. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely... I, it's, it's hard to imagine a situation where other other engines are like, oh man, Unreal is like really kicking it with this whole not taking money on the first million promise. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is just like a weird, it's a weird mental space. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like I don't know enough about like the breadth and depth of the indie scene to really imagine what such a diverse group of developers could possibly like want in an engine, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that does speak to terms with, because it, it's hard to garner the mindset of, of different companies, uh, big and small, uh, and so again, the mind space behind the thought of do you think other you know engine developers are going to follow suit with something similar, is because well you know Unreal Five has garnered so much talk, so much attention that I think just naturally you're going to have a lot of developers kind of go, what can I do with this? And so that's going to pull away from Unity. Is going to pull away from uh, CryEngine. Do people even use CryEngine anymore? I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure. Yes, yes, okay, mm-hmm. good. It's going to pull some people away from it. And so if you have individuals who are like, I I want people to use my engine, Uh, I need to act. And I guess this is me thinking from the the, the viewpoint of other corporations and businesses in in different industries. Um, uh, Whereas you will have companies that will react simply because they may feel like, oh, man, they did something so cool and so big that this is going to cause a ripple and i just want to make sure that I, I don't get left behind even if i might trip myself up with the decision i'm going to make next you know sure totally understand that i don't know, i feel like i should like have an opinion on this <laughs> uh, but i just i just don't know enough you know and that, that's that's brilliant that's that's actually fine you know I'm not informed enough about the indie scene to really think like, are like, are people going to dive on this? Cause they're going to be like, Oh sweet. Buy now get a million dollars off. Or are they going <laughs> to, or are people are going to be like, I'm never going to be able to use the capabilities of this engine anyways. Hmm. Well, see, oh, that, that, yeah, yeah. So, mm, that, Sometimes you you can and this is now just kind of speculation. I'm gonna say speculation. This is kind of like just just spitballing. Yeah, spitballing and 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 just raw info dumping. I I've seen people go like, I have a project in mind. I don't need anything fancy. I don't think need anything powerful. I don't need Unity, but 
I'm curious as to see what I can do with a 2D game that utilizes Unity for maybe the particle effects or purely just for the the cross-platform play. I can probably put a lot of stuff on, uh, or put this on a lot of different platforms by using Unity just for, you know, just for that alone. And so they'll go in and use an engine uh, and still make something very small and very direct of what they want to do, but just kind of uh, bank on these minor features just because they can it, it, and and sometimes you you, you get because I um I don't know what uh dust and Elysian tail utilizes nor uh Ori and the uh, is it the blind forest the, the light forest or just the forest? It's the blind forest. Yes, I don't know what what, what those were, were built on. Oh, okay, yeah, thank you. But you know they 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 obviously did not need to use a lot of what they needed to to get a good game out, but because they did, they have some of the most memorable visuals that especially with light you know light technology and and you know what's coming up big ray tracing yeah you know they might just want to go for fancy moments like that where is you pay five bucks ten bucks you get a really small but really nice detailed game but then you get like these five or six moments where the lighting that shows off to whatever high-powered engine they're utilizing uh, gives you this just, just just beauty in a nice little box, and and I, I don't know. Again, just random info dumping, ranting, spitballing. And a quick fact check: uh, Ori and the Blind Forest was made in Unity. Ah. And Dust was made with XNA. Isn't that Microsoft's thing? Yes, it's Microsoft Freeware. I'm surprised I I, I knew that because I don't do much game development at all. I've literally never heard of it. I just I just looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of XNA in my entire life. Uh, actually, I think do people use that for um, um, uh, Electron apps as well for like graphics? Beats me, dude. Because uh, you know, um, I think Microsoft now owns Electron, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. And for those oh, who are and uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps also made in Unity. Nice. For those who don't know, Electron is the uh, the platform used for applications such as, uh, I believe, the new GitHub UI and Visual Studio Code. And I think Atom was also built with Electron. Is is this a way to, to have quick web apps built for desktop environments without having to use a browser? It's, it's really neat. Um, I'm actually going to be working on a project soon for internal use with uh, Electron. But I do digress yet again. Uh, cool stuff. Uh, so we're about 40 some odd minutes in. Um, and with all the tangents that we previously had, I, I think we can move over to our beefy boy topic of the evening. And that would have to be, and we won't go into full on details with descriptions of, of, of what takes place, but The Last of Us 2 spoiler leaks. And I have to ask Andy, since you were without a PC for a long time, um, are you aware of the uh, the crap storm going over at Naughty Dog and Sony? Um, probably not as well as you are. Although this isn't like surprise information to me. Yeah, it's not, I it's, haven't um looked too deeply. It's always Sony, man. Like they have so many breaches. Um, they need to kind of get up on. And okay, so. To be fair, uh, for those who do not know the full context of all the information that was like going around about who did what, who leaked what, 
the original rumor was a disgruntled Sony employee or, or a Night Dog employee uh, leaked the information and like screenshots, videos, and cutscenes of, of The Last of Us 2 because they weren't being paid, especially with the events of COVID-19 happening. And so they, that's why they were disgruntled. So Sony came out and released a statement saying, so, and I'll touch on this in a bit. The statement said that those, the, the ones responsible for the leak are not associated with Sony nor Naughty Dog. And so that could be really nice company corporate lingo because if they were fired after they found out who it was, then they are not associated with Sony nor Naughty Dog anymore. Um, but it, the, the, the very vague and nicely danced comment made it seem as if these were outside hackers. Now, you have different game journalists who looked into and talked with uh, uh, gray hat and white hat and black hat ha hackers because, again, Sony has so many security flaws. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, but the current mindset and idea is that because Sony and Naughty Dog utilize AWS, the Amazon virtual server um, uh, products for their data and, and game servers for pushing things to the cloud for uh, uh, checking before release and all that whatnot, there was an exploit on AWS and utilizing keys. Um, for those who are not tech savvy, just imagine you have a unique key to get inside your house. And you give copies of your keys to certain individuals that you trust, like your family, uh, your, your distant family, and say someone is able to utilize information about the uh, the security lock manufacturer, say if it's like Kingston or or I don't know what, other, or Deadbolt, I think is a, is a brand of locks. They know certain patterns that that company uses for their locks. And so they're able to reconstruct a key that might be close to similar to some of the locks utilized. And so they find they, they find a way to develop the same key that will work on your lock and can get in and get into your house. That's essentially what the current idea behind the information from white hat and uh, gray hat and black hat hackers say that they knew about the, uh, the exploit. And that's essentially what happened. They shared that information. Other hackers got on board, went into Sony's thing, uh, and leak the um, uh, the the cutscenes for Last of Us Two. So that's the current overview story. And of course, you know Naughty Dog and Sony went into um, uh, uh, data recovery mode. Like, oh, let's fix this. We gotta we gotta react. Yada yada yada. And people weren't happy about what they saw. They think the story, you know, wasn't great. They get they got mad over certain things they saw in the trade in, in the cutscenes that lead to believe, um, basically a different experience than what they expected. Right. So that that that's that's where people are currently with The Last of Us Two, and now people are saying they won't buy it because they don't like where the story has gone or was going from what they saw. All right. Mm. So, I, I mean, I, before we even get to like the the media conversation with that topic in particular, like I I I I can't I because I I don't want to go over the actual spoilers. So I I did have some section spoiled for me personally, but like man, I I think people kind of gotta get over this. You know, well, no, no, no. Actually, let, let me rephrase that. They don't they don't have to. If, if they don't like something, that's that that's completely fine, right? 
but a company is not or you know developers and writers are not obligated to feed you the story that you specifically want and say that's what majority of people want and so the project is going to fail that's okay i myself have been a vocal supporter of things that were not popular and have like in part would would never you know continue well i was going to say never see the light of day but that just got confirmed yesterday if you know what i mean mm. Hey everybody, uh, post edit Zane uh, speaking because the uh, editing has been behind schedule and the releases have been behind schedule. Um, this reference may not make a lot of sense, but what I'm referring to now uh, from that whole, if you know what I mean, is the Snyder Cut. Uh, so I'm personally very happy that we're getting the Snyder Cut. I've been a big fan of it. I won't go into detail and this small little addendum to the podcast show. But for those who may have been curious and like what the you know, what, what what is Zen talking about, uh, I'm referring to Zack Snyder's The Snyder Cut of Justice League coming out uh, to HBO Max in 2021. And no, this is not a sponsored segment. All right. Much love. Back to the show. But they won't be supported. Right. They're just not in the mainstream zeitgeist of, of what's good. And that's okay. You know, it, it sucks if you're a fan and you feel this is a step backwards. You feel like this is subpar quality. That's fine. But in this particular case, you haven't played it. You you saw some cutscenes. You saw some things you probably didn't like. But you you have not sat down from start to finish. And Andy, you actually was a, was a, was a big proponent with my mindset reading about the events of uh, of these leaks, where. You know, when you talk about your experience with playing a game, you get to a point and it's like, no, I, w I will not go further because this is not what I signed up for. This, this is not the steps I want to go into this direction for me and my playthrough. I'm going to stop right here. And for that, they have the type of experience that was your personal experience with that work of art. And like, say if someone spoiled part of, of the game of a game that you had that, that mentality of like, oh, well, you know, if, if that's the case, I just won't play it. But you you would not have the beginning pieces to even correlate with, oh, well, my journey ends here, you know, and, and ignoring facts of saying, well, I, I want to get, you know, my money's worth of, of, of what I'm buying into and, and ignoring that just just. If you have not actually had hands-on experience with it, you can't fully say for sure, for, for certain. You know, and again, if you have your your predisposed predisposed thoughts and opinions, completely okay, completely valid. But it doesn't change the fact that you have not got hands-on with it to see for yourself personally from the start to finish, or from the start to wherever you want to drop it. And I, I think people don't give enough value in that experience personally sorry for the for, for the mini rant no by all means yeah so what what, what are you what are your thoughts and opinions around that kind of i guess um situation um event or rather i mean that, that was a pretty wide situation <laughs> <laughs> cast a wide net there sorry um So, uh, man, where where do I even start? <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, if you want to reel it back and maybe like just take it from a a, a point of okay, cool. How, how how they handle spoilers or 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 you know something along those lines or sure yeah. So so information came out. People saw it. They didn't like it. They're considering not buying the game. Right. Um. Honestly, I don't take issue with that. Um. There. You know, you talk about like preconceived notions and like you learn something and then you decide that you're not interested in interacting with the medium. Well, how dare you form an opinion over something that you've never actually interacted with? Isn't that how advertising works? Yes. Like, <laughs> somebody presents to you information and then you have to make a like semi-informed decision. And obviously they're going to try to, you know, withhold some information, um, whether to... Uh, increase your experience um, as a participator or just to lure you into pulling out your wallet. I mean, either way, like people, you got to make decisions with the information that you have. And if the information that you have is you've seen a bunch of cutscenes about a game that you really, really enjoyed the first one. And you don't think that what you've seen aligns with your, or, desires i'm not even going to say expectations because mm. expectations exist to be thwarted um and subverting expectations is like the best thing ever um until it's not but i mean people have information about the game and if they have that information they almost certainly bought into it like i understand that some that you know there's a difference between having something spoiled for you and also seeking out spoilers yes you know and these leaks almost certainly seem like the sort of thing that you would have to uh, look for rather than have them just like sprung on you. Like, surprise, here's several minutes of footage. Like, you could just, you could just, you know, not engage with that. Um, you know, this is not a Snape kills Dumbledore moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are, these are cutscenes. And if after watching these cutscenes, you decide that you are not interested, then so be it. Um, I don't have anything against that. And honestly, if Sony or, you know, Sony or Naughty Dog um, wanted to set up a narrative experience where a lot of expectations got subverted and maybe the story was um, different. And this is coming from somebody who knows very, very little about The Last of Us who hasn't seen the spoilers or anything like that. I'm just sort of uh, posturing here. Mm -hmm. um, but if as a company, you want to avoid an experience where people where you're making something that maybe your fans aren't going to like. Um, or maybe you have maybe they had no idea. Maybe they thought it was good. Um, maybe they thought it was the like pinnacle storytelling. Um, but regardless, uh, if that's the sort of information that you want to uh, keep hidden from the public, then you need to take all the necessary precautions. Um, and if you didn't take the precaution of, you know, either having the right layers of security on your project or upsetting somebody who had access to the information and not being aware of the consequences, the potential consequences of that, um, regardless, um, you know, obviously, you know, nobody should be, you know, selling company secrets. Mm -hmm. But at the same um, time, you have a responsibility to cover your, your assets. You you have some responsibility to cover your assets. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't want to go into victim blaming and be like, Naughty yeah. Dog, how, how didn't you see this coming? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, th- there is some responsibility to uh, protect oneself. Um, even if just a small amount. I think part of the part of the I'm trying to not make a huge society like sweeping societal <laughs> notion here. Um, but I'm just saying if you have the ability to protect yourself in a situation that you think carries risk and you choose not to, then when the risk occurs, you know, obviously nobody should be doing the bad stuff, but Mm. if you have preventative measures, you should take preventative measures. Yes. It's kind of like the argument of like, um, say you have a house that's in a high crime rate area you know you have a higher risk of having your house broken into, but you actively try, you, you actively do not lock your door going, well, someone should not break into my house, so therefore I'm not going to lock my door. Yeah, no one should be breaking into your house. No one should. It, 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 it's, 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 it, they shouldn't. But you do share some responsibility to have, like you say, like some, to lock that your door. Mean you shouldn't cover the floor in shattered Christmas ornaments and heat up the doorknob to an unreasonable temperature. That's right. What we're saying. We've had these uh, tutorials by uh, Macaulay Culkin. You know, it's, yeah. it's out there. Sure. How tos people? Yeah, it, he made a three-part series on how to protect your home. <laughs> yeah, and um, I I do. So I, I love Sony, I really do. But they do have some business practices, security-wise, that I, I think. And you know, in, in the past, they've had previous breaches. You know, find out they were storing passwords in plain text, which is just a no. If you are a multi-billion or multi-million, you know, dollar company, no, no, certain things are just unexcusable. You do not store passwords in plain text. Just no. Uh, but again, that was years ago. Um, so basically, what I'm saying is, Sony should have a bit more. Uh, fire underneath their behind in terms of uh, network and, and and data security for their entire company and everything that follows under. Uh, but again, does that mean people should be trying to break into their data vaults and steal cutscenes, game data, etc.? Uh, I would also like to touch onto some points where, like, when I talked about people's reaction to set leaks, I didn't want to come off as stating their opinions did not matter because as I stated before, it's okay if you did not like them. It's okay if you don't want to buy the game now. Uh, but like, of course you had a certain few who were, I mean, like just attacking people from Naughty Dog, attacking people from Sony saying like, oh, you know, how, how could you, how dare you? This is, this is garbage. You know, you deserve to be fired. It, basically toxic stuff. So consider it as, as a, if, if this truly truly does make makes this game not appealing to you consider it a blessing because now you won't spend sixty dollars for you to be um uh, i guess from your perspective disappointed um but personally i also think it from it's, it's hard to kind of get into without the full-on context of said spoilers but it it, it kind of seems to me of this and not everybody just particular people in their statements Some of the motivations might be uh skewed yes it feels a bit entitled where they're like oh because i i'll I be mean, there were theories well, from, from the I teaser mean, so i'm just gonna interrupt as somebody who has not seen the spoilers knows very little about this um in a game that's incredibly like very strongly story driven as i understand the last of us is mm-hmm. um 
it is like inevitable that you're going to upset people because yes. people create very strong ties to characters. And if the characters act or act or do or have something occur to them that people don't like, then yes, they're going to get very upset by that. Um, and I don't know if I don't, I don't feel like that is a, I don't know if that's entitlement um, so much as it's just a, like, I feel like the reason people get up in arms about like characters that they care about is because is because they care about them. They want good things for the characters. Mm-hmm. You know? Um oh man, I really wish that I could give like a really good real life example, but this isn't like this isn't the first time that I've heard of this. It's well, the reason why people even on like it this works on like every level too, yes. like every scale, you know? You can be playing any game, and if something like if something bad happens, it doesn't matter how well it was lined up, or how well it was foreshadowed, or even if it was deserved at all. People aren't going to like it. Um, at least not if they have foreknowledge of it. You know, if something big and dramatic happens as a shock, but the story like evolves and wraps around that, I think you'll get a better reaction than if you drop a bunch of spoiled information into people's laps, show them unfortunate things or things that they didn't desire without context or even with some context. To be honest, the context is irrelevant because it's the way it's being presented that's going to hurt people, hurt people's sensibilities more than anything else. You're going to see something that you didn't want to have happen or that you don't think should happen. And then you can forget everything else. It doesn't matter anymore. Like that, that's what's going to upset people. You know, I bet you, I bet you that if the spoilers involved and keep in mind, I have not seen the spoilers. I am literally operating off of assumptions Mm -hmm. of how people react to storytelling. I've DM'd for over 15 years and like I've killed characters and uh, like I've done massive like twists. I've, you know, you narratively I destroyed cities narratively. <laughs> I was like, and then the city was reduced to a crater. And people were like, what the heck? And it doesn't, but it, it's irrelevant because you need, it's all in presentation, mm-hmm. all in presentation. And I guarantee you that if the information presented in the spoilers was just all sunshine and rainbows, wouldn't be an issue. Nobody would care. They'd be like, sweet. These characters, there's good stuff going on. You know, it looks cool. You know, maybe maybe they might be like, it looks a little bit boring. But it hits a lot harder when you find out something, like, bad is going to happen outside of the context. Like, if I told my D&D group, if I was just like, and then this major character just, like, dies. Even though we're really, really close to the end, that might upset sensibilities. Because there's no context for it. You know, it's just like something bad's happening. Yeah. It's better to, you know, and that's why the spoilers can be so, like, damning. is not because of, it's not an inherent aspect about spoilers. In fact, there are, like, studies that show that spoilers actually improve the enjoyability of, like, media, like books and television and stuff like that. If you know what's going to happen, you enjoy it more because you get to look for all, like, the subtle, like, foreshadowing and stuff like that. You're, like, in with the in crowd. That said, um... 
quick reminder to anybody, uh, any of my friends who are listening to this, don't spoil things for me. I will be upset. Um, <laughs> I'm not in the statistical majority there. Um, no. But it's not about the spoilers. It's about what's spoiled. What's the, you know, what's the information? Because I guarantee you that for any of the, like the spoiler tests, people didn't have an investment, you know? Yes. Like if you told me, you know, if you told me, like, at the end of, you know, Sherlock 2, Sherlock and Mor- Moriarty fall over the falls, um, that might sting me a little bit more as somebody who has watched the first Sherlock, and I'm talking about, like, these old, like, Robert Downey, you know the old Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies? Yes. Yeah. That might sting a little bit more as somebody who enjoyed the first Sherlock than as somebody who has no investment in the series. Like, of course, Sherlock and Moriarty go over the falls. That's how it was like written. (laughs) Um, I'm getting a little bit too tangential. There's Um, no such thing on EOZ at the dark, (laughs) but you get the idea. Yes. And it's go ahead. People don't want bad information for the characters that they like. Yeah. Especially narratively driven ones. Because if you tell me that the narrative says that something bad happens, then I don't want I don't want to participate in that narrative. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> yeah, and personally, as a big fan of the first Last of Us, you know I like I said I I, I saw some of the spoilers had some some stuff spoiled for me beforehand, which led me to and I, I don't know the, the full long story. So I, I stopped at a certain point. Um, I don't I didn't enjoy what I read about what was showcased in those cutscenes. I didn't enjoy it. But I can see the pieces there that goes, depending on how all this starts and what leads up to it, might make it, you know, worth the situation, right? And so I'll, I'll just leave that there. And it goes into the the last mini topic of the main topic, which was like how spoilers can affect elements of a project, you know, how, how it can ruin or some things be diminished. And I, I think you, you explained it in, in beautiful detail. Um, but I, I wanted to at least say the example that, sat weirdly with me and that that is around uh, uh kojima's death stranding and so i stood away from spoilers for a, a decent minute and then when the game came out i was like i was very determined not to get it for ps4 because i wanted it for pc and it comes out next year for pc supposedly if that's still gonna happen i don't know and so i was like okay well i'll see the first you know 30 minutes of the game so the first 30 minutes of the game and I, I went, okay, I, I, I got to stop. I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I want to experience the rest, you know, personally. Bought the game on PS4. I played it. And, like, the experience that I had going through the entire game was phenomenal. Like, don't get me wrong. It's clearly not going to be a game for everybody. And I, I, I still add it. Add it adamantly believe that it's not a game that everyone's going to enjoy or even need to experience but there is certain narrative certain cinema, uh, uh, cinematic aspects to it that are very deep very questioning especially with what's going on with COVID-19 I, I made a joke on one of the the podcast episodes saying you know Kojima was right and all it took to prove him was uh being told to stay indoors for two weeks you know and for people who watch entire playthroughs of that game you know they you know some of them went oh i I saw it i'm not gonna play it some of them went i saw the full thing i still bought it it's not the same and i went well yeah because like some of the biggest events in that game 
you know, you get surprised about by what you're investing your time into. And I can completely see, especially like from my first 30 minutes playing the game from the first 30 minutes that I saw, you know, what was robbed versus all the other stuff that was the unknown for me. And I still think Death Stranding is a special case because the game is just so weirdly different uh, in, in, in its portrayal that it can't fit into the same one-to-one ratio of comparison as many other projects. But just the notion of spoilers and, and what you take in and how it can diminish your experience. Because I'll tell you, like I've, I, I watched Game Grumps, I watched Markiplier, I watched uh, Jacksepticeye. And I've seen comment sections of someone going like, oh, I watched him play this entire game, like Resident Evil 3 Remake. And they went, when I played it, I didn't have the same, oh, crap, when when uh, Nemesis showed up. I was like, well, yeah, because you 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 knew every spot Nemesis was going to show up. You, For you, those weren't going to be surprises. And while you can probably still enjoy the game's you know, natural aspects, there are going to be certain elements that won't be the same. You won't, you won't have the same experience as Markiplier, as Jacksepticeye, as Game Grumps, because they play... Well, Minus Aaron, because I believe that was his like second or third time playing through on camera. But Markiplier and Jacksepticeye, because they played it straight first time, you know, no no spoilers. Like, that was their first time in a game with, with, with nothing beforehand aside from a demo. You know, you're, you're not going to have, and, and, and genuinely, you're not going to have their same experience anyway. But, like, the, the moments of surprise and, and, and shocks, all that has, has been laid out in front of you you're not gonna have that and i'm not saying don't watch let's play it's not don't do that but i'm just i want people to, to be aware or at least the idea of what spoilers and and, and 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 just knowing about what happens in the game can do to the actual experience of it you know mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's just weird yeah i mm. because at the same time i i, I think we, we do need to have demos for almost every game because like otherwise people people use less players to figure out do i want to buy this game like, at least i do personally uh because again not every game has a demo and i don't want to spend 60 dollars on to find out that i don't like this game but at the same time i don't want the entire game spoiled so I, it's, it's it's a weird line it, it's it's just a weird line i don't know Stone Cold Stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any other like last minute uh, mentions, discussions, etc.? Yeah. Um. You mentioned how you, like, you mentioned my talk about like, like the social contract that people make to their games. Mm-hmm. Um. If, if you want to go into that a little bit further, uh, maybe we could do that on the next podcast. I'd be down. Awesome, because like you know, we, we we're currently at, at an hour eleven ish minutes, and you know, I oh, geez, uh, cut the tape, cut the tape. <laughs> I'm trying to be better about keeping it sh- uh, within that one hour time frame, because like the last episode we did with Lewis was like an hour thirty, uh, and I, oh, I, uh, mm, I, mm, I don't know personally. Eh. So I I will say, so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, guys, I hope you're out. You, you've enjoyed the podcast. If you have any discussions, uh, oh, Andy, you probably don't know about this now. We do have an After Dark uh, Twitter account. It is at EOZ After Dark. So, if you do want to send us messages like we've been saying in the podcast, you can do that via Twitter now. We also have a dedicated email address, which is After Dark at EssenceOfZen.org, where you can send in messages, comments, things you want us to cover, etc., all that good stuff to let us know your opinions. Uh, or just angry hate mail at me for calling uh, uh, Elder Scrolls 6 Skyrim 6. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I hope everyone has enjoyed the return of Andy. He has been a uh, a long, long requested person to come back. Uh, we've missed him so, so dearly on After Dark. Uh, so Andy, thank you so much for coming back. Of course, it's my pleasure to monologue at you. <laughs> that'll do it for episode 12 everybody uh keep in mind we're gonna take what we uh have heard from a certain feedback on trying to improve the episodes going further uh it'll still be season one i I do believe i'm going to set episode 24 to mark the end of season one of after dark before starting season two uh but stay tuned for shifts and change in editing quality and times We'll see you in the next episode with uh, myself and Lewis. Uh, maybe some uh, extra episodes with another guest. We'll see. Uh, but until then, as always, stay beautiful and take care. And be safe in COVID-19. Apocalypse. Yeah, definitely, definitely in that order. <laughs> <laughs>